0: dollar signs oh, oh, oh. Money on my mind money, money on my mind Throw it, throw it up Watch it fall from the sky Welcome everybody to the week four edition of the Ride in NFL DFS podcast Week three not so great uh, Not terrible but not as Smash of a week for me as week one and two. Uh, it came down to the Rashad Penny news, kind of really put a damper on my week. Um, was all set to go. McCaffrey, Zeke, and Cook in cash until Penny was ruled out. So I felt Carson was a really good play. I still think that he was a decent play. I mean. The Seahawks just so happened to get behind um, a a fluke play or two. And he fumbled, so then he goes into punishment mode. And and that was like the nut low scenario for Carson, which I didn't think had a high probability of happening, um, but it did. And what that did was it got me... And then even, I mean... I even though Kyle Allen was definitely the correct play in cash, um, what he did was kind of opened up so much salary that I had to start tinkering a little bit, and I came up from Darren Waller onto Zach Ertz. Um, I went down from Dalvin Cook to Chris Carson, and and those two moves going down from um, Mahomes, who I wanted in cash, to... Kyle Allen and Dalvin Cook to Chris Carson just opened up a ton of salary I moved I was on the Lions defense all week. Um, they were my top play in my four for four article, but I had so much salary that I came up to the Vikings that uh, left some points on the table so just the um, like the late breaking news that that influenced my cash lineup this week didn't do it in a good way, and I talked about it last week. Uh, you know, not to get too high when you win, too low when you lose. Basically, you know, last week Patriots defense crushed it and, you know, I don't want to sit there and think that I'm the king of the world. This week I'm not going to sit here and think that uh, I'll never win a cash game again because that's just not the case. It's just the way variance works. Some, some weeks you have it, some weeks you don't. Uh, so let's get into the week four slate, and it is Wednesday, so this is pretty early. I think I might start doing a Saturday update like I did last week every week, because there's always at least some type of news that breaks that might change the slate. Um, but I'm doing it on Wednesday this week because I have to give a coworker a ride to work tomorrow, and that would be awfully strange if I just, you know, strike up the Bluetooth and start talking about fantasy football while He's sitting next to me. So an early edition of the Ride In NFL DFS podcast this week. At the quarterback position, I think we have two options. Um, last week was was weird. It was a tricky week. I thought there was a ton of options at quarterback. But this week, I think it comes down to Daniel Jones, uh, 5,300 on DraftKings. He showed us that he is – I'm not going to say he's the real deal just yet, but he definitely has the ability um, – To put fantasy points on the board and I think the the most intriguing part uh, or the biggest bonus to Jones is his ability to escape the pocket right so Eli is going to spike the ball in the dirt at the first sign of pressure you know he tries to find his his nearest eligible receiver and then just throws him a skip pass because he's afraid to get checked by uh, a defensive lineman or a linebacker Daniel Jones can can use his mobility to turn the corner and we saw him do it pick up some first downs with his feet, uh, and he also ran two touchdowns in last week. I don't, I'm i not going to count on touchdowns from Daniel Jones on the ground every week, um, but just the fact that he can tack on 30 to 40 yards and keep the chains moving, keep possessions alive is, is a huge boost. Uh, he gets the Redskins this week, which we all know we've seen. I mean, they made Mitch Trubisky, who had previously looked like Tim Couch. They made him look like Dan Marino last week. He was crisp, um, and that secondary is just... The Redskin secondary has just not been able to slow down anyone. I think Daniel Jones at 5,300 is definitely in play. And at the top of the pay scale, or at least towards the top of the pay scale, I think we have to consider Russ Wilson. Um, Seattle's run game is a mess. I don't know if Carson's going to remain in the doghouse in week four, but Rashad Penny doesn't look great. Um... To go. I mean, I'm not sure if he's going to be available. Um, CJ ProSice is not a great runner. He's a pretty good pass catcher, which helps Wilson. And he gets the Cardinals. The Cardinals have looked like uh, an NCAA defense. They have allowed Lamar Jackson to slice them up. Uh, Matthew Stafford had a huge game against them. And uh, even last week, Kyle Allen right off the bus, first start ever, throws for four touchdown passes, and, you know, I mean, Russ had a lot of garbage time stats last week, a lot of those yards and touchdowns came in the last quarter as they were trailing, and the game was kind of out of hand, but, um, you know, and we've been saying this for years, they got to turn Russ loose, and I think maybe they finally realized that, he needs more pass attempts, he threw the ball 50 times last week, Um, The only issue I can see is that if they do, um, you know, get a big lead, then I could see it turning into a a little bit of a Chris Carson show um, or at least a a run-heavy approach um, because that's what Seattle likes to do. But uh, I just think you can't ignore the matchup and the success that Russ has had when he's allowed to throw the ball, which I think they might let him do at running back. Christian McCaffrey I think is going to be really hard to get away from in cash for the remainder of the year. Uh, he's pretty matchup proof. He did have an issue against the Bucks on Thursday night in week 2, but that was because he was coming off of a 30-touch game in week 1 on a Sunday and it was 4 days later and I don't I just they wanted to manage his workload. They didn't want to give him another 20 to 30 touches. Uh, especially running touches, uh, carries out of the backfield four days later. But we see what what he is. I mean, he catches the ball out of the backfield better than any back in the league and he has a second gear. We saw him take a ball straight up the gut in Arizona, sidestep a couple safeties, and he was off to the races. And that's the kind of running back that he is. Um, So I think this week he is absolutely in play. Probably my one of my top priorities in cash. Then I think Austin Eckler's in play. I mean, his price. If, if Eckler had any other matchup at 8K, I probably would avoid him. Um, but he is playing the Dolphins, and I think they are just. I mean, between them and the Cardinals, I can't tell who is worse at uh, at stopping offenses. So really that matchup is is where it's at, um, is the reason that Eckler is in play. And his touches were kind of limited last week. They kind of threw the ball a lot more um, last week. But that's okay because he's definitely involved in the, in the passing game as well. He had seven targets last week but only nine carries. Uh, if you're projecting or if you believe that the Chargers are going to put a, a hurting on Miami like everyone else has, you have to believe that. Eckler is going to get his, um, be it on the ground or in the air. So Eckler is definitely in play. Dalvin Cook is also in this range. He's the only other back that's that's this highly priced. He does get a more difficult matchup um, against the Bears uh, on the road. I'm not going to say that Dalvin Cook is matchup proof. But I think this Bears off or this Vikings offense is, you know, dead set on just giving him the rock. And despite the matchup, I think he's in play. I'm going to say that he is, for me, he's behind, obviously behind Christian McCaffrey. And I think I give a slight edge to Eckler just based on the matchup um, and the implied total for the Chargers. I think that they are going to uh, put up a good amount of points and Eckler is going to have a lot of chances in the red zone. Side note, I think Justin Jackson, who has had touchdowns called back in two consecutive weeks, is a good play uh, in tournaments as a pivot uh, because I could definitely see, you know, Variance rearing its ugly head and and Jackson getting maybe two touchdowns out of this uh, and some work in the, some extra work in the fourth quarter and whatnot. Um, At the mid level, I think David Johnson. Is in play. Um, you know the Cardinals play at the fastest pace in the league, and he is pretty much the only running back getting touches. Uh, he, he he has I think two games of six or more targets in the in the first three of the year, so he checks pretty much all the boxes. Um, if you need a mid-level option. I would look at David Johnson. However, there are very few cash game viable plays this week at running back in my eyes. I like those those really expensive guys, obviously. The bell cows, you always try to get two of those in, for at least for me. And then there are two cheap guys I'm looking at. Um, obviously, Wayne Gallman steps into a feature role in New York. I don't love Wayne Gallman. I don't think he is the most talented back on the planet. Um, but in 2017, as a rookie, when he stepped up at the end of the year and kind of had a 50-50 split with Orleans Darkwa. He had <clears throat> a string of games at the end of the year where he caught five to seven passes in every game. Um, so he's definitely a viable receiving back. And I think Daniel Jones, it's his team, but I also think that he's going to check down. Um, I think he, we could definitely see Wayne Gallman reach five targets, um, excuse me, five receptions. In these games that he is starting, I think they might use the short passing game as an extension of the run game. So I like Wayne Gallman. Speaking of using the passing game as an extension of the run game, Chris Thompson on the other side of the ball in this game, I think definitely has a shot uh, to be cash game viable. Uh, I expect the Redskins to never be, you know, in a position to just take the air out of the ball in this game, which means Thompson will most likely play on all the passing downs, and he should see uh, a bunch of targets. He's a little bit thinner of a play because he's not going to get much rushing work, uh, although he did get seven carries last week, I believe, around there. Uh, but I just think that if I'm going in, into the mid-fours for a running back, it's going to be Wayne Gallman. It's one of those things where you don't love it, but his opportunity... I mean, he, he's in line for potentially 20 touches this week. And even, even if he falls into the end zone, you're pretty much gravy. Ba- despite what else he does. Um, you know, despite the yards and the receptions that he tacks on to that. If he gets in the end zone, which is, I think, a decent probability. Uh, he definitely pays off his 4.5K salary at receiver the most egregious price I've seen this week and maybe to this point this year is Terry McLaurin at 4.5k I mean come on what is going on here I know he was on Monday night and usually the Monday night guys are a little bit uh, funky and their prices aren't uh, adjusted because the, the salary come out before Monday night however McLaurin had a solid weeks one and two. He shouldn't be priced at four and a half K going into Monday night. And that's the itch issue. So I mean, he's the first rookie receiver to catch five passes and a touchdown in his first three games. He you know, he has a twenty percent share of the targets in Washington. They get to face the worst secondary in the NFL in the New York Giants at least in terms of allowing fantasy points. So I think, you know, Scary Terry, F1 McLaurin, whatever you want to call them, is going to be a chalk, a chalk lock for most cash game lineups. And it's, one of the, it's like Aguilar last week. Like, everybody was all over Twitter. Congrats on your chalk touchdown and can't believe Aguilar's paying off. Like, Aguilar was a no-brainer last week. And not to go off on a tangent here, but I don't know what this narrative is that's floating around DFS that you have to avoid chalk plays. Chalk plays are chalk plays for a reason. Um, If, and I'm not saying, like I said, I think I touched on this last week. I'm not saying you have to play the chalk, right? If you can find a viable reason to not play a chalk or a projected chalk play, that's fine. Um, But I don't think you have to go out of your way to pivot off the chalk in cash. I mean, as soon as Alshon Jeffrey was was ruled out, it was a no-brainer that Aguilar was an absolute lock. We saw what happened when Jeffrey and Jackson were out in week two. He was targeted 11 times. He had eight catches for 100 yards. So, I mean, to to think that a 3.6k Nelson Aguilar as the number one receiver in Philly's pass-happy offense last week against the Lions was somehow a trap or a play that wasn't going to work out uh, was, was silly thinking. Um, so this week, that's McLaurin. I think I really can't find much of a reason to to get off him. So he she will be in my cash lineup. Obviously, Keenan Allen, he's somebody I've touched on pretty much every week in this podcast. He is the ultimate pay-up wide receiver at this point. He has a almost a 38% share of the Chargers targets. I mean, the targets, there's just no one to throw to in San Diego except... Him and Williams and Eckler, so uh, he's going to continue to see a huge share of targets. This week against the Dolphins, I'm thinking it might be an issue just because they may not need him like they have in the past three weeks. Um, you know, if the Chargers are up three touchdowns in the second half, I don't think Rivers is just going to keep feeding him uh, targets so I don't think he's going to see 15 targets this week like was he's been accustomed to at this point in the year. But I still think that he's a pretty good cash play. I'm actually thinking that I would rather Austin Eckler this week, um, which I, I, I'm i going to have to look into a little more. But uh, upon my my initial research, I really did like Eckler over Allen just based on the game script. Um from there, I think Cooper Cup, at just $600 less than Keenan Allen, he should be in a game that's a little bit tighter. He's seen, he's Goss clear-cut number one at this point. He has a, a much higher market share of targets than Woods and Cooks. Through three weeks, he looks completely recovered from his season-ending injury last year. And uh, I, I think there's really no getting away from Cooper Cup this week, unless you're paying up for Keenan Allen, but I think that $600 savings, the game flow um, is going to lead me uh, onto Cooper Cup if I pay up into that range for a wide receiver. And I think the Cardinals' wide receivers, both Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk, are going to be, uh, how should I say this, staples? In cash lineups uh for the foreseeable future it's just the cardinals run such a fast-paced offense they throw nearly 70 percent of the time in a neutral game script so there's just so many pass attempts to go around kyler murray is slinging the ball in this air raid offense and at 5k or in the 5k range both Fitz and kirk are uh, going to be viable options with the targets they're seeing. Kirk kind of reminds me of Jarvis Landry a little bit. He's seeing elevated target share, but they're mostly low A dot and not really near the end zone or near the goal line targets. Um, And then Fitz is Fitz. He's seeing a little bit less of that target share from Christian Kirk, but actually a little bit deeper A dot. And he has the most targets inside the 10 yard line this year of any receiver in the league. So that is definitely a plus for Fitz. Um, I think Preston Williams, he went from playing 40 snaps in week one to 90 in week three, uh, 12 targets in week three. So I think he has kind of taken on the role of the Dolphins number one, or at least Josh Rosen's favorite receiver. Um, I think he is definitely an option in cash. If you're pan way way down Um, so i think there's there's enough value roster construction wise for us to get all of the the pieces that we want right depending on how you want to build your roster if you want to go Super expensive at running back. I think McLaurin and Preston Williams can can get into your lineup. Um, if you're going to go up to Cooper Cup and Keenan Allen at the wide receiver position, I think we can we can feel pretty safe with Wayne Gallman um, and maybe Chris Thompson. And then at tight end, we have four guys um, in order of price: Evan Engram. I mean, just complete stud. Daniel, Daniel Jones raises his floor a ton. Um, they're, uh Darren Waller is you know has been pretty much in every article I've written this year however, I think the fact that um, his price is getting pretty high up there is is going be a somewhat of an issue this week but i still i mean he has he's basically the the raiders number one receiver so I love uh Waller this week and then Greg Olson and will disley disley's going to be the chalk. Arizona has allowed over 20 fantasy points to every tight end they have faced this year, including TJ Hawkinson, who has kind of done nothing since. So it kind of looks like they are just, you know, seeding points to the tight end. Um, But I think all four of those guys are in play. And based on the salary that you have remaining, I feel safe with all four of them. Um, You know, Will Disley, Chalk Week. I'm probably going to look for a reason to not play him. But I have a feeling that based on the roster construction and the guys that I want to get in at other positions, um, he is going to, to be in my lineup. Um, but if you do have cap available, um, I think Evan Engram is the best overall play, followed by Waller. And then I think this, I think this is about an even play with, um, with Olsen. But that, that 3.6K is just hard to ignore. Opens up so much. Uh, at defense, the two defenses I think I'll be targeting are the Broncos and the Seahawks. Um, the Broncos have really not done too well, but I think in the altitude in in Denver, against Gardner Minshew and a Jaguars offense that has looked okay at best. I mean, their run game is brutal. So I think if Minshew is going to be slinging the ball, uh, you know, Von Miller and Bradley Chubb could kind of pin their ears back and get after him. I think they're going to try to have to get them going because, I mean, they really haven't done much at all to this point in the year. And, I mean, like I said, with uh, the same thing applies for the Seahawks defense that applies for Fitz and Kirk. The Cardinals run the fastest pace and they throw the ball more than anyone. So, I mean, if you're telling me that the Seahawks defense is going to see, you know, 40 to 50 dropbacks... Uh, from rookie Kyler Murray, who has shown a propensity to turn the ball over already this year and take a ton of sacks. I think that's a great play. The core four this week, uh, I'm going to go Daniel Jones at quarterback Christian McCaffrey at running back Terry McLaurin and Will Disley. Those four will be the building blocks that I start with, um, but I, like I said, I'm going to try to get a Saturday update, you know, like a quick five-minute podcast for any of the changes that happen uh, throughout the week, just so I don't leave you guys hanging with this stale uh, information, uh, you know, potentially outdated information. If we get news that, you know, let's say Terry McLaurin is dinged up or whatever it might be, I don't want it out there that he's in my core four if he's going to... Um, have an issue uh, with playing time things of that nature all right guys good luck in week four i will try to get a update podcast on saturday Uh, until then pat james dfs on twitter rate and subscribe if you have not good luck in week four all i see is signs all i see is dollar signs